0: There's been a lot of talk about the hiring challenges in the current employment market. How do we fill open positions? But what about retention? How do you keep current team members and how do you keep them engaged? And when you do hire, how can you hire folks who are more likely to be engaged, enduring contributors? Well, keep listening, because David Pender is today's guest in our Q4 executive series. And he and his team make some really cool products. It's electrochromic glass, which tints automatically in response to the sun. Can we just say smart glass? I'm going to say smart glass with a smart glass, right? So here you have the smart glass, these windows that are made of smart glass. These are beautiful buildings. And it stops my scroll. Like When I'm scrolling on LinkedIn, I'm like, whoa, what's that? And then I start reading. And then I hear David talk about what the smart glass does and why it matters and the value that it creates and it's very cool. In fact, I'm going to see if I can get um, any pictures that I can put at our show notes so you can see what I'm talking about. All right, enough of my fan talk. Let's go to introductions. So David Pender has designed and run some of the most advanced manufacturing facilities in the world. He has started them up, debugged them and brought them to full capacity. And David brings his unique background of high-tech knowledge mixed with lean methodology and pragmatic leadership to ensure the technical success of these high-tech startup facilities. Now, currently, as vice president of operations at Sage Glass, David manages the world's most innovative and high-tech electrochromic smart glass facility. Now SageGlass is the global leader in the smart glass systems. Um, They have more than a thousand projects in dozens of countries. And the smart glass tents automatically, like I said, so it tents automatically in response to the sun or or upon demand, which delivers comfort, well-being, and energy savings to building occupants. Now SageGlass is part of the Sangoban family, and so they are backed by a global leader in building products. Now, remember that you can find links to connect with David, learn more about these organizations at our show notes, processplusresults.com forward slash podcast. All right, let's dive in. David, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Jamie. All right, so let's kick off. I want to learn a little bit about kind of you and uh, your approach. So uh, what is a value, mantra, principle, uh, maybe something that embodies your beliefs about leadership?
1: Okay, sure. Um, I, I, I'd look at it from a, a couple of different perspectives, one of which um, we we always start with safety at SAGE. Um, safety is extremely important to us. And we have a, a mantra um, around safety that's a little bit of a mouthful, um, but we have it. Um, portrayed throughout the plants, up on the walls in large large lettering. And it's, nothing is so important that I cannot take the time to do it safely. So the onus is really on the individual. Um, But we're very, very proud of our safety culture here, our safety results, of course, but also the way that we've incorporated that safety culture throughout all, every facet of SAGE. Um, And so that's very important. We start every day with a safety message and, and this mantra um, which we break down sometimes just to nothing so important. Um, mm-hmm. To it, it's incorporated into everything that we do. Um, so that's safety, and I think it's it's very important at, mm-hmm. at at the very daily level to be always thinking about it. Um, when we go in the slightly different direction, we've got a, a sage vision, and the first line of the sage vision uh, is that people come first. And by that, we're talking about our people. We're not talking mm-hmm. about the customers, but we've used this. People come first, um, also as a mantra, particularly over the last 18 months as, as we've navigated through the pandemic. Um, and we've over communicated all of the things that we're, we've been doing um, mm-hmm. and used the people come first as, as we've. Um, we're, we're very proud. We've had no layoffs over this period of time, whereas competitors certainly have. Um, and we've put our people first and we've put them ahead of the customers so that we, for example, Stopped the plant for two weeks, even though we were considered an essential business and took the time with everybody who's hourly on the floor, fully paid. But uh, we took the time to get ready for the pandemic. And then since that time, we haven't stopped. So um, that's that's another mantra that that drives me and, and my team every day. And then when we look at even a higher level, um, we're a, a part of a much larger organization. We're a part of St. Gobain. Uh, which is the largest uh, building materials manufacturer and, and supplier in the world. Um, and the Sengabar has defined their purpose. And the purpose of Sengabar is the mantra, making the world a better home. Mm-hmm. And we at SAGE, we actually think that we embody, we epitomize uh, that purpose and uh, and feel that it's very relevant here as well. So that's sort of three different levels where you know, we use those on on a regular basis, particularly as we over-communicate to our team.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, it is so true that often we hear how the customer comes first. Like we hear it all the time, right? People say it all the time. Customer comes first, customer comes first. And this idea that our people come first uh, can really help you in in the, making those decisions when you're, you know, you're faced with a tough decision.
1: Well, I think Richard Branson sort of took that concept of putting your people first, and then they'll take care of the customer. Uh, so I'm, I'm not saying it's my idea. That's all I'm <laughs> like to
0: say. Well, I love that you embody it.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, tell us a little bit. I know you you started on a little bit about the purpose, but tell us a little bit about your organization. Who do you serve? How do you create value?
1: Sure. Um, so I work for Sage Glass. Um, Sage Glass makes electronically tintable windows um that's the product and the electronic controls that go with them so think of it as as um tintable windows for commercial buildings essentially um that's what we we build and and sell but what we see ourselves providing is is much more than that we provide comfort and um access to the outdoors for building occupants Um, so you know access to the outdoors the ability to see the ability to get natural light in um reducing glare increasing solar control leads to happier people leads Mm -hmm. to um more comfortable folks in buildings um it leads to the ability to charge higher rents it leads to the ability to say we are more productive when we're in school or we're healing faster when we're in a medical facility um so that's the the real value add that the the product brings Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what we that's what we do
0: yeah you know david i don't remember exactly how our our paths crossed um, and how we got connected but now that um, we're connected I see all these posts on LinkedIn and I always I just like I always stop the scroll when I see these pictures and videos of um, the you know buildings with your product
1: well the connection to the outdoors I I think it's it, it's something that's very important and be, and and you know well-being and well buildings are becoming huge and we do sort of epitomize that that connection that people want to say, hey, to my employer, I, I want to have a view. I don't want to sit in this cubicle. Yeah, you can have open space all you want, but make sure I've got that connection. Um, architects want as much glass as possible, but you've got to think about the end user, and that's usually the person sitting inside, and they don't want to be bathed in, in direct sun all the time. So. Mm-hmm. We walk the talk um, and our folks here love it as well. So I personally couldn't imagine going back to blinds and shades. That's BS. uh, Yeah, for Yeah.
0: (laughs) for sure all right well let's jump in and um, you know thinking about uh, the last few years what what's been maybe um, one of the biggest leadership challenges that you've faced as an organization um, and how have you uh, you know either tackled or maybe continue to tackle that challenge um, walk us walk us through a little bit of that
1: all right um well it's been a very challenging few years obviously uh, but that's the same for everyone out there, so I'm I'm not going to talk right now about the pandemic. I don't think that that we had it any different to anyone else, although we 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 did have the driving um, mantras that I spoke about of putting the people first, and, and we're very proud of how we've performed in a very stressful situation. But on at the, at the same time, you know, we're taking here uh, a, a, a concept, a technology that that uh, you know, 15 years ago was on the pixel size um, where, you know, you've got switchable glass and taking that to, to a high-volume manufacturing, we actually call our facility HVM High-Volume Manufacturing because it's the first of its kind uh, in the world and it's the only one, but the only facility that produces this glass within Sengaba. So we are producing here four Worldwide customers. Forty mm-hmm. percent goes throughout the U.S. Forty percent goes to Europe, which is where Saint-Gobain is is headquartered, um, and and we're producing for the rest of the world as well. So we've just produced, or we are finishing up producing, um, glass for a, a, a Google headquarters in in Bangalore in India. Um, and that's 200,000 square feet. So that's the biggest mm-hmm. job we've ever done, and the biggest job that anybody's ever done. So it's a huge building with electrochromic glass throughout. Um, so the challenges here are taking a high technology from a concept to a business um, with massive growth, um, year over year um, growth in terms of volumes um, of 40 to 50%. Um, you know, over the last year, we've we've had a little plateau, um, but that's mostly because of the way the world has reacted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that growth is extremely challenging, um, both because it's an extremely high-tech product and we need it to be stable over all of those shifts, um, but also because the teams are growing so rapidly. Um, and with rapidly growing teams, you've got to, make sure that the culture that we're trying to embody is um, understood by everybody um, is, you know, at all levels of management throughout the organization really um, followed. And mm-hmm. that's, that these cultures are incredibly important. So those are, are, are many of, I mean, we're all facing challenges also along with everybody else. Hiring is difficult, um, but when you're really growing like this, going from one shift to two, two shifts to three, to four shifts. Recently, we've gone to twenty four seven in parts of the plant, um, and and that's continual change management that we're going through. Um, hiring is is very necessary, but we've also been we've been proud of our organic growth um, as well because it, it it gives a lot of folks the ability to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, training has been essential um, from the high tech uh, as we take this. You, you can't learn how to, you know, make electrochromic glass anywhere, you know, whether it's at a tech school or, or anywhere else. So we have a very um, in-depth training program and we've been using this all the way along. So it takes quite a commitment in terms of, you know, we are going to train the people properly. But when you do that, that also leads to better retention. So, mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's difficult to hire. Um, if you focus on training and retention, as we're doing, we think that uh, can continue to be successful um, if you provide what we think is a great place to work. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, so those those are some of the things. There's, there's lots of parts of retention that, that we look at. Um, I'd say one of the most um, favourable ones is we give a bonus to people who recommend people we should hire who mm. who they recommend um here yeah, we call it the bridge builder program because the saint logo is a bridge um, and it builds the bridge to the future for us um but we've got many people who recommend other family members um, and a father is not going to recommend his daughter if he doesn't think she's going to really live up to those expectations Mm -hmm. that's what we've found anyway so the Mm -hmm. recommendations from folks who work for us a they're they're not going to recommend a job to a family member if they don't think it's a great place to work safe um you know it's a nice environment so that's that's one aspect but also we see retention is higher with these folks because we know they're sort of already vetted um and, and that's been very important. We couple that with the training that we do um, and and we, we see that the focus on retention works. Yeah.
0: You know, that's so interesting. Like when I just heard you say that, like, you know, a father recommending his daughter, right? When you think about it and, and there's both from both directions, but... Um, we talk about creating an environment where people want to work and how that impacts it. But I, I feel like there's something about that father-daughter. Just those words, when you said that, I feel like it just took it to a whole new level. Like, do you, are you creating a workplace where your, you know, the fathers that that are on your team would recommend, would want their daughter to work here?
1: Absolutely. We've we've got a number of families here. I mean, the, the factory's been running for, let's say eight years now. But we've got a number of families here who, when you add up the service of the team members in the family, they're at over 30 years. So, it, it, it's a father, his two sons, um, and, and then there's actually, there's two families where where one of the sons and one of the daughters are married and they both work for us as well. So, two supervisors have their kids working here and, and our supervisors would not recommend their family members because they, they know what we expect if yeah. it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, a, a fact that they, they knew their kids were gonna take it seriously, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and understand the expectations, particularly in terms of safety, right? Never cutting corners. And that's where we've got to be, you know, the, the, the values of safety when they're, you know, pushed down through the family, um, it's very powerful.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've had this tremendous growth in this high tech, like, Hey, you've got to have this training and it's, it sounds like, so this retention, um, and training, uh, have been things that have been really helpful and worked well for you. Um, Anything that you feel like, hey, here are some some gaps or challenges that we're still trying to to figure out when it comes to having this culture throughout through growth, right keeping these this culture when we're growing our teams and expanding our operations and all of that
1: well there's there's always a couple of back steps, and I remember listening to one of your previous podcasts where you spoke about it's not the case that the best operator should be then the team leader and the best team leader becomes the area supervisor. Mm -hmm. It it oftentimes doesn't work out that way. So it's, it's finding those who want to step into the multitude of leadership positions that we have here um, and working that sometimes it it doesn't work out. And there's the ability also to pull back. You you know, people can say, yes, I want to be a team leader. And then they realize, Oh my Lord, that's uh. That's extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go back to being a, a, a technical expert. Um, so we've we've had a couple of folks who go up the ladder and then took a step back. So that's worked as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's understanding um, what's the motivation behind each individual, um, mm-hmm. particularly what's your motivation to be a team leader. Um, and we've we've instigated a new um, uh, mentorship program, particularly for new team leaders, because. Um, they're stepping into a new role, um, and we can we can talk about things like safety and things like quality a lot. But then, if you you're going to run into um, situations as a new team lead, where you've got to make a call, and that mentorship program gives them the ability where they can bounce things off somebody who's mm-hmm. perhaps got nothing to do with operations. You know, a couple of these. Team leads have have had our CEO as their mentor. A couple have had the the VP of Sales North America as their mentor, um, and and I think that's important too because they see a different leadership style. You know, it's not just oh, what would Greg do or what would David do or, or whatever. Um, they they get to to bounce things off and and grow that way as well.
0: This mentorship program sounds pretty um interesting. As you know, as I'm hearing you talk about it, anything you would add about like whether it's either why you're doing it or how you were able to bring it to life? Because I know that sometimes it's like the bandwidth or the structure, you know, people, we feel like there's these um, obstacles in our way, like, oh, Um, anything that maybe you learned through this process that you could share for someone who is interested in um, having a mentorship program for their leaders?
1: Well, I think that many companies do it for high potential people at, at a certain technical level who they think are going to go on to lead other parts of the business. Um, we've brought it all the way down to our, our um, frontline shop floor leaders
0: mm-hmm. who,
1: for me, they're the ones who at 3am on a Sunday morning are representing the cultures, the values and the culture of the company. And they have to make that decision when nobody else is around. And they're the boss. Um, so that's why we brought it all the way down to them, because we also found in many cases we were looking to promote very young individuals who'd been with us for maybe only two years into that position of responsibility, and they'd never done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we created the program, um, very Sage specific. Um, and took aspects of there's, there's a Sangaba mentorship program for, for very high level folks, but so took aspects of that um, and, and tried to define what this mentorship relationship should be all about. And it wasn't all that easy because we were taking somebody who's very young, pairing them with somebody who's really quite experienced, and, and saying, <laughs> okay, this is a mentorship. You know, you close the door, you can talk about whatever you'd like to learn about. They're not going to solve your problem for you. This is about you learning to be a leader. So do with it what you will, and and that freedom didn't always work, and you had to sometimes bring it back and and say, okay, we'll, we'll structure it a little bit more. Why don't you
0: mm-hmm.
1: think think about you know a conflict situation and and just discuss it. Um, because the freedom of what should I what do I want to learn about leadership was sometimes a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes it's it's formed this very interesting and and strong bond um, between frontline guys and gals, um, and people they often wouldn't interact with very much.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that idea of hey, it's there's we want to give space um, to be able to learn what you want, what you need, but maybe some frameworks of here's some particular areas that we, you know, you'll need to dig into.
1: So, you know, we, we had to, to bring it back sometimes a little mm-hmm. bit and make it not as broad yeah. so that they could <laughs> learn things that, that they that feel they that they need to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. What is it that people need for sure? Well, let's, so let's talk about the future, right? So, like, as and, and when I say future, I mean from today on, right? So, the here and now, and then looking forward into the future. Um, anything that you did, like, when you think about either the leadership opportunities you expect manufacturing organizations to face or how you think um, operations managers might need to evolve to, to be able to navigate these challenges, what comes up for you?
1: What we have seen uh, over the past year and moving forward as as workforces evolve um, this concept of trust empowerment and collaboration those three things pulled together um, are really critical uh, for for newer workforces that that are trying to be dynamic and grow um, you know empowering folks to really look at their own, you know, retention within their groups. I think that's, it's, it's very, very important.
0: So let's talk about this then, you know, trust, empowerment, and collaboration, yeah. you know, like what um makes those so important?
1: Well, I think traditionally it's been much more top-down management, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know you've talked about that as well. In fact, I think you've called yourself a reformed <laughs>
0: Something yeah, I call myself a recovering command and control manager
1: <laughs> that's right and I to some degree so am I <laughs> I, I would say um, and so empowering teams but then over communicating to them what the goals are and what the expectations are um, but saying you can take this and 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 come back to me with your ideas um is huge, right? So trusting them, um, allowing them to, to make decisions um, and collaborating across departments. This isn't just operations. Operations is pretty big. It's not just production mm-hmm. and maintenance and engineering, but involving the quality department in that collaboration, pulling in the R&D folks Um when needed uh, rather than you know really having this us them sort of mentality so that's that's been a big big evolution i would say mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah.
0: and if you're thinking about like so for the operations leaders on your team or maybe operations leaders that might be listening um in order to do that in order to create trust empowerment collaboration um any you know like any thoughts about what I, you know, as a leader, as an individual leader, what I need to either do, not do, so <laughs> pay attention to? Well,
1: I, well, I active listening is incredibly important, mm-hmm. right? So not going in with your preconceived, you've probably got the preconceived ideas, right? I, mm-hmm. I think this is how I'd solve that problem. But standing back and allowing them to say, well, this is the way I want to solve it, um, Sure, asking questions, making sure that they've thought it all through. Um, But I've been surprised a couple of times recently uh, where I would have done something completely different. And, you know, how we've responded to working from home is is one example where I would have said, boom, 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 this is the way I want to do it. But we actually pulled a collaborative team together from the logistics Mm -hmm. manager to, you know, uh, an executive assistant, um, the head of marketing all came together with an, a young R&D um, mm-hmm. a person from R&D, and they, they came up with ideas of how we'd speak to the organization and ask the right questions um, around flexible working hours and working from home and, and things like that. That was, that was an interesting to me. I wouldn't have done it that way traditionally, but mm-hmm. I've learned from it, that's for sure. And I think it, it's much better as a result of the us trusting that team and them collaborating together.
0: Yeah, great. Anything that, that um, you think we should be talking about that we haven't yet?
1: Well, certainly, um, sustainability is huge, right? Uh, and I think we're incorporating the concepts of of um, carbon usage, carbon footprint. Um, how much of our water we're recycling, how much energy we're reducing year over year. Um, you know, we're in a, a lead Gold certified manufacturing building. There's only two of them in the United States, but um, so it's already a very sustainable building, but the, the whole company, you know, it's an enormous company that makes glass and plasterboard and, and a whole bunch of things worldwide, which you know, use an awful lot of energy. We've we've said we want to become carbon neutral by 2050. Um, lots of companies are doing that, of course, but we've got this plan in place now where every single capital project ha- we, we're we're pricing carbon in. Uh, we're looking at our carbon footprint and we're trying to become more sustainable all the way along. I think that's very important from a company point and and a business point as well.
0: All right. So um David, as we wrap up today, um what words of encouragement or advice would you leave our listeners with?
1: I'd say that um you know operational management is really people management. It's it's you're dealing with people all of the time. You're dealing with equipment and machines and, and processes for sure, but you're dealing with people. But when we've found when we focus on people uh, and growing their leadership abilities, um, I've certainly been surprised by, you know, what who's really willing to step up for one, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's it's not the person that you're expecting to step up or traditionally anyway. Um, And the more open minded uh, I've been, um, the more success I've also seen um, in, in growing talent uh, throughout our organization so focusing on people and focusing on on their growth um, that's what I've been focused on
0: oh I love it focusing on people and their growth wonderful David thank you so much for joining us today Uh, really great to hear about uh, the good things you're doing
1: well thanks Jamie it's been a pleasure to be on
0: Now, I'm not very sciencey or very techy, but this stuff is cool, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so too. So what stood out to you? Think about uh, the things that David shared today. So he talked about safety and people first as a culture. Um, he talked about how people first translates into retention. Remember the referral program he talked about, and fathers recommending daughters, or the mentorship program um, that's expanded beyond just the executives. It's not just the executives that are able to get mentors and giving them space to learn, but also some frameworks to provide that structure. And he also talked about trust, empowerment, and collaboration as the core to success in the future. And that we do that by focusing on people and their growth. Now, those were some of my takeaways. Maybe you had a different one. What is it for you? What's that one thing you want to write down? You want to hold on to it? You want to revisit and make sure it doesn't slip through the cracks. Figure out what that one thing is. And then I want you to go one step further and share it. Don't just hoard it, right? We're not hoarders here. Share it. You can share it with a colleague, with a leader, with your team, with a friend, you can always hop onto LinkedIn and share it with me as well. So you can tag me, Jamie V. Parker, and you can also tag David Pender. We will put his links and all of that in our show notes, processplusresults.com. Now, we're going to pause this executive series for two weeks. So for the next two weeks, you get me solo, and then we'll be back. So on December 1st, Jasmine Gorey from Sunland Logistics Solutions is going to give us an HR perspective on attracting and retaining people in this dynamic market. And then we're going to wrap up with the Q4 series on December 8th with Chris Chippendale from Ent Credit Union. And Chris is going to talk about taking this time where um, people or organizations are struggling to fill positions and actually talk about the component of how do you build leaders? How do you develop enough leaders when you don't have enough people? So tune in for that one. Now, of course, if you missed the earlier Q4 Executive Series, you can head back and listen to Dave Connor kind of talk about the roles of a leader and the three layers of leadership he thinks are critical. And Kelly Ogensanya talked about leadership through COVID, like through the COVID burnout, something that she is very close to in the healthcare industry. So we've got some great guests, some great conversations, some great topics. And I hope you're tuning in to all five of these episodes of the Q4 Executive Series. All right. You get me solo next week, and I will see you then. Until next time.